You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 podcasts. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM and on medium wave 1530 AM uh, on our website radioramadan.scot listen live uh, on uh, at the moment we are also webcasting on uh, i syllabus website and on our facebook live uh, bismillah rahman rahim we welcome you all assalamu alaikum warahmatullah today 17th of ramadan 11th of may monday iftar is at going to be 9:23 time just now is 5 past 8 <laughs> and as always i am your host zubair akram with my guest sheikh radwan mohammed um we'll be going straight to the selection of ayahs today which is 18 surah of uh, quran al karim uh, surah kahf uh, the cave uh, from which we have covered uh, two main stories uh, and the general themes 17th um, program today uh, moving on to the story of Musa alayhi salam with his interaction of uh, prophet khidr alayhi salam um, we've covered the first two um probably the first uh, of the five stories within this main story of seeking of knowledge um let's hear the ayahs and we'll take the comment from sheikh rizwan after this bismillahir rahmanir rahim in the name of allah the absolutely merciful the especially merciful فَانطَلَقَا حَتَّى إِذَا أَتَيَا أَهْلَ قَرْيَةٍ اسْتَطْعَمَا أَهْلَهَا فَأَبَوْا أَن يُضَيِّفُوهُمَا فَأَبَوْا أَن يُضَيِّفُوهُمَا فَوَجَدَا فِيهَا جِدَارًا يُرِيدُ أَن يَنقَضَّ فَأَقَامَهُ قَالَ لَوْ شِئْتَ لَاتَّخَذْتَ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرًا Then they both proceeded till when they came to the people of a town they asked them for food but they refused to entertain them Then they found there in a wall about to collapse and he set it up straight Moses said if you had wished surely you could have taken wages for it qala hadha firaq bayni wa baynik sa'unabbi'uka bi ta'wil ma lam tastati' alayhi sabra qadr said this is the parting between me and you i will tell you the interpretation of those things over which you are unable to hold patience أَمَّا السَّفِينَةُ فَكَانَتْ لِمَسَاكِينَ يَعْمَلُونَ فِي الْبَحْرِ فَأَرَدْتُ أَنْ أَعِيبَهَا وَكَانَ وَرَاءَهُمْ مَلِكٌ يَأْخُذُ كُلَّ سَفِينَةٍ غَصْبًا As for the ship, it belonged to poor people working in the sea. So I wished to make a defective damage in it, as there was a king after them who seized every ship by force. وَأَمَّا الْغُلَامُ فَكَانَ أَبَوَاهُ مُؤْمِنَيْنِ فَخَشِيْنَا أَن يُرْهِقَهُمَا طُغْيَانًا وَكُفْرًا And as for the boy, his parents were believers, and we feared lest he should oppress them by rebellion and disbelief. فَأَرَدْنَا 
يبدلهما ربهما خيرا منه زكاة وأقرب رحما. So he intended that their Lord should change him for them for one better in righteousness and nearer to mercy. And as for the wall, it belonged to two orphan boys in the town, and there was under it a treasure belonging to them, and their father was a righteous man. And your Lord intended that they should attain their age of full strength and take out their treasure as a mercy from your Lord. And I did it not of my own accord. That is the interpretation of those things over which you could not. Sadaqallahu al-Azim. Assalamu alaykum, Sheikh. Alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Okay, so um, <coughs> let's get straight into this uh, commentary of or trying to understand the main theme that's coming out uh, of these ayahs. Um, so the story has begun where uh, Prophet Musa uh, has been shown one of the five things that we discussed yesterday. Um, and uh, the, he went on to the second one and it was like, hands up, sorry, uh, apologies twice and we're moving on to the third one now. Mm. So these are, yes, three, I think there's three main um, episodes here or sub-stories in the uh, in the story of the Prophet Musa alayhi salatu wasalam. This is uh, within the travels that they go through. And so this is uh, yeah. the companionship to sahibni. So the whole idea here is of companionship. Sahibni. Yeah, so it's suhba. And um, suhba generally, um, you know, these three episodes that will happen, but they all happen in the context of suhba. So that's very important to understand. Because suhba... Um, the companions of the Prophet were called companions, but in Arabic, Sahaba hmm. and Sahabi is the person that met the Prophet believed in him, and, and passed away with that. So Ibn Hajar gives that kind of basic definition of components, which is that these people were people that saw the Prophet and believed in him and died on that in that state. Now it's important to understand why they were called Sahaba, which I think might be relevant to what we're going to talk about. Um, and I think it's very important in terms of the um, story itself. Mm-hmm. Is that the Sahaba were called the Sahaba because that technical chance that they met the Prophet and, and were lived at the same time. But they are a special um, station because of what Sahaba does to a person. So suhba is, first of all, a category of people that met the Prophet uh, Secondly, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process that we understand that they um, benefited from, which is to come, into the con- con- come in contact with the person who is not afflicted by the most dangerous spiritual 
ailment that human beings and the nafus and the nafs of the human being is afflicted with, um, which is, um, as Imam Junaid al-Baghdadi mentions, is ghafla, which is heedlessness. So, Abdul Rahman al-Sulami, when he wrote, he wrote a book called um, Ayyub al-Nafs, I believe it's called Ayyub al-Nafs, which is, I think it's called, I'm not, I'm not actually sure, it's, just, it's slipped my mind, um, in which he mentions different spiritual diseases. In those diseases, one, the one he mentions, which is interesting, is ghafla, because the way of treating ghafla is actually a whole array of different things that come up. Um, heedlessness generally is, is, is you could say, um, negligence. You could say it's inattentiveness. But it's heedlessness of, of Allah. So it's, it's actually quite a serious thing. It's like very serious because you could live your life not being aware or cognizant of God. Um, that could, you could be in a state of ghafla all your life. Essentially everything else you do is insignificant in the context of the fact you're, you're, you have ghafla of Allah, heedlessness of, or non-cognizant um, behavior towards God. Which means everything you do after that will not have God in the equation. And so the companions, when they were sent the Prophet ﷺ, they were given the thing that treats ghafla, which is companionship. So the Abdul Rahman Sulami, when he mentioned um, ghafla, he mentioned specific um, cures for it. And amongst those, was in fact, in fact, just two main things that, that strike me, uh, in, in which he said that you need to keep company with somebody. So the cure to this very serious disease, which actually precipitates things like anger, envy, rancor, pride, arrogance, um, you know, you think of anything showing off, ostentation, pride, every single thing that we understand as a spiritual disease comes out of this um, small problem. Ghafla. Ghafla. It seems so in- insignificant. In fact, I was, I was preparing a wall today actually, and when I was repairing the walls, one of, one of our neighbours walked past and he was... Um, just telling me that he used to, you know, um, used to do building work in London. And he was just saying that, you know, I, I sold my property in the right time, so I moved back to Scotland. So we were discussing stuff, and he was just saying how how naive people are. When he was a builder, he used to tell them, "Look, that roof needs you need to you need to sort this out, otherwise you're going to have a lot of problems." And the person would say to him, "It's too expensive," and he, he would say, "It's can you afford not to do it? Mm. Because that small drip." Will affect the, the brickwork. The brickwork will then lead to dampness, which will lead to rot, which will lead to wow. extensive repairs. And you see this in old buildings. If you don't take care of something insignificant, what happens is what you think is insignificant. Because most of us, to be honest, if I said ghafla is, is one of the most serious spiritual diseases, they would think no, probably anger, envy, ostentation, pride, uh, rancor. These all come up in in the story of uh, iblis. Yeah. They come up um, in the story of the, the, the two sons of Adam, which is jealousy. Mm. But heedlessness, no. You're just thinking, well, it's just like, you're just inattentive. But, you know, when they talk about this, the, the, the cures for heedlessness, they mention numerous things. So what Abdurrahman Sulami mentioned is that you should find somebody to keep company with who is not afflicted with heedlessness. Sahib. Sahib, Suhba. And he said, once you've found the person, then it's your, then the, the work starts. So you don't just find somebody and just follow him like a shadow, or her like a shadow. What you do is, you, he said, you have to look, closely study their use of time. You know, so essentially, suhbah is to check and look at how the person uses their day and their night. 
and also to 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 really dissect their their state with God. So this is essentially what's inter- interesting. This story is he is asked to keep company with the, the person who he will meet. The Prophet Musa has told him to keep company with the person he will meet at the at the coming to the, coming together of the two oceans. And the sohbah will be the thing that will cure him of all of the other things. The first thing was his arrogance. We wouldn't say outward, ostensive, aggressive arrogance. We would say passive arrogance, which is he assumed he was the most knowledgeable. Hmm. And so the cure to that would be to do the sohbah. So Allah is saying, okay, do sohbah with a person who knows slightly more about how things work in the in the, in the the background. You know, the, the, the mechanics of ilm ladunni. And so what happens is he's told to check, you know, when so when we go through this, this is three different episodes that take place in the Quran. It takes me bang, 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 one after another. But essentially they're traveling and they're keeping company and Musa, the Prophet Musa is watching him. He doesn't he doesn't oppose anything he does in between the episodes. Yeah. So you can imagine he's sitting, he's eating, they're traveling, and you find a lot of about people when you travel. Mm. And so he's obviously checking his use of time. You know what he does in his day. If he's no knowledgeable than me, I want to know what he does, and also ahwalahu, which is how does he deal with situations that come up. So ahwal is essentially if you're dealt with a problem, and you look at two different people how they deal with it, you will see which one is more aware of God than the other. It's always the case, isn't it? Yeah. When when you're in a problem mm-hmm. or in a situation, mm-hmm. you always imagine someone. Mm-hmm. What would they do? Yes, so in Christianity they have this, evangelical Christians have this movement of what would Jesus do? Yeah. WWGD. So hashtag. Okay. <laughs> so this is what they have. Uh, w, I think it's WWGD. So we would have the same hashtag. What would Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam do? What would Muhammad do? What would Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam do? So WW. P and then they would do W S A W S. So you can imagine for honorific reasons you would extend that to you know the Arabic script as well. Yeah. But essentially, um we're thinking what would the Prophet Ali Salatum do? Because when things are shaking up in your life and, and a tribulation takes place, like the COVID instance is one of those situations where people are exacerbated and and some are finding it ex- extremely difficult to the point of real serious um, stress of not just being able to see people, not being able to socialize in a way that's normal. Um, in fact, the whole way that life is structured is disrupted. It's become a norm, but it's become unbearable norm. Mm. Sometimes norms become norms that you get used to, mm. and you get into a pattern. I think this is definitely one where it's there's no pattern, there's no new norm. It's definitely something that you know behavioralists have been talking about. That how long can people sustain lockdown, quarantine, you know, social distancing, all these kind of things? It just seems very strange. And um, so, essentially, what's happening here is that the Prophet Musa is going to be told to deal with the the, the, the root cause of everything, which is. A heedlessness of his responsibility to Allah. Sheikh, the, the concept of sahib mm-hmm. is in Surah Najm. Uh, the word sahib mm-hmm. appears. Yeah, Allah says, I was going to say, Rajim, Bismillah, Rahman, Rahim. Uh, ma dalla sahibukum wa ma gawa. 
So your Allah says, وَالنَّجْمِ إِذَا هَوَى مَا ضَلَّ صَاحِبُكُمْ وَمَا غَوَى وَمَا يُنْتِقْ وَنَا الْهَوَى So وَالنَّجْمِ by the, the setting or the, or the rising of the stars or the, the descent of the Qur'an مَا ضَلَّ صَاحِبُكُمْ That your companion is not astray and nor is he misleading people. So Allah and uses sahib. sahib. Yeah, so Allah uses the word sahib there because he's showing the Quraysh that the person they're opposing and accusing of being astray or, or misleading people is the person who's your sahib, which is, you know, the, the simplest way you would say he's something that you know, you trust. But essentially Allah is a deeper sense saying sahibukum um, بِاعْتِبَارْ مَا سَيَكُونَ And so in, in Arabic rhetoric, they have this the idea of use a word with, 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 with its meaning for something that will happen in the future, not what's happening now. Hmm. Um, so essentially, the, the, the Arabs are being told that this is the person that will wake you up from your ghafla. Like the Prophet hmm. the person you're pointing your fingers towards in accusations is the person who will make your future as a nation bright. Mm-hmm. Because sahibukum will be the, the companion. The companion is the one that rids rid you of your heedlessness. Your heedlessness is thing that, that pulls you back or holds you back from glory, spiritual and temporal. And essentially it's telling them that you know, your future is, is bright at the hands of this person. Mm-hmm. So the Arabs, what and, were and, they and before? Nothing. Sahib has a very kind of warm mm-hmm. meaning to it. Yeah, so it has this idea of care, compassion, mercy. It has this idea of, of teaching. It has all these things, which means that the person is, is, because he's a sahib, he is, or she is, going to be somebody who is caring for you at each step of the, of the, of the journey. A companion. A companion. Um, a companion. It is essentially the issue of companionship. So Imam Ghazali has a, one of his books in Ihya al-Madin on the book of companionship. Because it's such an important thing. He had a whole book mm. on the topic of how to keep company to the details of you know, when you're eating, how do you eat with a, with a companion? How do you travel with a companion? How do you learn with a companion? How do you share wealth with a companion? So, companionship is a very deep, deep thing. And there is an other, in, I remember in, in my Gamsa, some studies, mm-hmm. so there is an, uh, we, we, we kind of prepare a talk, mm-hmm. but there's an other of leaving the companionship. Mm-hmm. If you part ways, if you're sahib and you're no more, there, there are, Ways of dealing with that situation That the secrets you've had of each other They're not revealed mm-hmm. uh, you, you keep them mm-hmm. uh, And uh, you, you That's the bigger test At mm-hmm. a point when you part ways of friendship mm. Yeah I mean it, That is Yeah so I was I was thinking when I was, started this Sahib yeah. I was thinking why I started talking about Sohba Yeah because it's, it's, it's in the verse, yeah, so I was thinking, why am I talking about suhbah? Yeah, it's in verse number 76. Because when you were speaking, I was actually looking to see why that suhbah came up when I was speaking. Yeah, so it's verse 76. And he says, the Prophet says, قَالَ إِن سَأَلْتُكَ عَنْ شَيْءٍ بَعْدَهَا فَلَا تُصَاحِبْنِي So this is, this is it. لَا تُصَاحِبْنِي So the Prophet Musa is saying to the Prophet, Khidr, do not be my companion, but the elevated companion. So yeah. the, 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 the interesting here is he understands him to be not his sahabi, but the one that accomp- he's accompanying. Hmm. Essentially, the Prophet Khidr would be the person that says, if you do this again, do not be my companion. Hmm. But the Prophet Musa is saying that because companionship is something that's mutual here. 
as as well. And so, this is what's fascinating about this whole thing is that these steps take place. The first story is of the of the the ship that they that they that they board, and immediately the Prophet Khidr ruptures the vessel. And essentially, what's interesting about you know these you know um, stories is that there's three stories here. Mm-hmm. And each of them, you know, the, I mentioned that this is towards the, this is at the maturity of the prophet Musa's prophecy, prophethood. Um, these are instances which take place in his life, very similar parallels that take place, where you th- you can imagine somebody questioning an action which is paralleled with this. The prophet Musa, when he's young, you know, the the Fir'aun seeks to kill because he's prophesied that. Mm-hmm. There will be a, a person born from the children of Israel, which is Yaqub and, and, and the progeny from the Prophet Yusuf who will challenge him and bring him down. That's the prophecy. And so he seeks out all male offspring from Bani Israel, kills them. And the mother of the Prophet Musa, what is she inspired to do? She's inspired to do something that we would not do, which is to put a child in essentially a basket and put it down the river. Hmm. Which you know, nobody does, because you don't know. You know, the Nile is alligator city. You know, there's um, it's not somewhere something that you would do, and so no, the, the 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 wisdom of questioning that could have been done there, but Allah inspired her to do something which he could have easily have said, put her, you know, give her, put deliver to her door. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, do something else or flee with him or something. Something we could logically justify. Mm-hmm. But why the story of Prophet Musa is so interesting is that even if you, t- if you tell a child that story, they will always remember a child in a basket in a, in a, in a river because it's, you're like, my goodness, um, are you sure you want to do this? No, don't do this. You mm-hmm. can imagine if you had a, a child five, six years old and you say, I'm going to put this newborn baby into the river, the child will stop you. Mm-hmm. Never mind the adult. The child would, and that's why children remember the story of Prophet Musa because a lot of the events are miraculous. And so that first thing is something that he, you know, he, he could have thought and he knew what happened to him in his childhood. He was, it was related to him what happened to him and his origins and what, how he'd got to where he'd got to and the fact that he was not really from the household of Pharaoh and he was found in a, in a, in a, in a so basket. So he knew that as a child? He knew it because he, his story was that he wasn't. Um, a naturalized, the natural son of um, the household he was in. Yeah, and so he would have known that he was found and he was up, raised up, and all the rest of it. And so he could have thought, well, I could have objected to the reason I'm alive. Mm. But essentially, he's alive because of this um, wanton neglect of child welfare, mm. which is putting a child in in, in a basket. Mm-hmm. And so, what happens in the story is underneath it is. There should have been something clicking in the, in the mind of the, the Prophet, Prophet Musa that I should remain silent, I should remain patient because I can see parallels in my own life. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen. In fact, he doesn't actually do that. Um, and and what he does is he objects and he he says that it's something that's munkar, it's something that's objectable. And then the next story is, as we saw, saw yesterday, is the story of the Qariya. No, no, it's not actually. The first one is what? Um, yeah, and the second one is the Ghulam, 
when he meets the the young the young young child and immediately kills him. Yeah. So time just now is 35 past 8. Iftar is at 9:23 in Glasgow today. People uh, we were just discussing offline. The people are alhamdulillah listening to this program far and wide. Uh, uh, over 60 countries uh, through website and through Facebook live and uh, alhamdulillah the, the the word is out there for uh, this uh, beautiful reflective hour that Radio Ramadan is able to uh, present uh, with Sheikh Rizwan uh, for last 12 years and this is uh, uh, a kind of a, a blessing that we have that we are able to dedicate this time try and reflect understand uh, Quran in our context uh, we chose this surah surah kahf especially to understand the hidden the third dimension the 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 what's behind and how what's behind what we see um try to understand and maybe understand the reality that we can't always understand uh we can try to but we don't always and the story of Musa alayhi salam is testimony to this that where he is challenged by his teacher that you would not be able to hold your patience prophet being a prophet promises twice and he gives up in a way he says yep i can't anyway um and if it's a prophet doing this how are we supposed to have the patience in situations that we don't understand yes yeah, so this your patience is very clear and um, what i was saying before the, the break was um if i remember correctly I was talking about the parallels that are quite interesting because um you know it's going to come to the issue of udhr which is um an excuse or a reason to object or um a situation at which you have a reason due to a person's actions to abandon them or or disown them mm. essentially what the prophet musa will say is now you have the the reason or the or an excuse to disown me which yeah. comes from myself. Yeah. And the, and what's interesting is the first story is of the um the this the 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 ship that they um, embark upon. The second one is of the child that they kill. And in the first one I said that you know even a child could object to the prophet Musa having me place as a child into a basket. And when the prophet Musa you know caused the death of you know a person when he fled just free fled fled from Egypt um you know people could say you know you 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 hit him and you killed him and the prophet Musa and we know that there was a reason for that now the reason for that was the person was being oppressive but an outside observer would have all would have seen Musa punching the person the person dying in other words the prophet musa killing an individual if you don't know the backdrop to it you would say bighayri nafs he's killed illegally he's killed unjustly without reason and if somebody just saw the basket with a child being placed in 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 the nile without the backdrop of why it's happening of there's a person called firo and he's going to kill every single child that's born of male um gender um and his mother is fearful and therefore she puts him in and without the backdrop not ilm ladunni but ilm 
normal ilm but that we're not day to day aware of unless we're told about it mm-hmm. you would say that is the most terrible um, you know you can imagine nowadays you would say health and safety yeah, yeah. You would I say mean context context so the prophet Musa with the, with the ship with the, because he doesn't have the context he has no right to object because he was in a very similar situation with the, with the young boy he doesn't know the backdrop of God's wisdom's context and therefore he has no right to object and then you have the next story because essentially after those two the Khidr says to him did I not say to you that you're, you're unable to remain with me in patience and then the Prophet Musa as we said yesterday said if I ask you about anything after this point do not um, com- don't, don't be in my company or don't accompany me or I will not accompany you and then he said and, and what has arrived from you is an excuse which emanates from me and we con- contrasted yesterday with the knowledge that emanates from Allah which is elevated and emanates from God and the human being saying I have given you an excuse to disown me so this this is the, the parallel I think at which um, the point at which you realize that the Prophet Musa is out of his depth in this conversation because he's himself admitted that he can be disowned and abandoned and neglected by, by the Khidr because he's given him the reasons to do that, the ammunition as we say. The ammunition is there. Look, you've, you've turned your back on your word twice. And that convinces Khidr only to complete the third story. Otherwise, you know, after the second, it's out, it's finished. It's not a question of three counts and you're out. The second one is where the ultimatum is given and the last, you know, like in a, in a, in a contract where you're negotiating, that's a final throw of the proverbial dice by the Prophet Musa because after this, he has no ability to do anything. فَانْطَلَقَ And again, off they go again. In Suhba, in this process of learning mutually. حَتَّى إِذَا أَتَيَا أَهْلَ قَرْيَةٍ Until they come to the people of a, a city or a town, they request for them to feed them. So they go to the people. And the interesting is they're prophets. They could easily be sustained by God. They seek provision from the people of the town and they refuse to give them anything, um, to give them, you know, entertain them and to give them food. And then what they find is they're resting and they find a, a, a wall. So they find a wall and the wall is described as being a wall that is calling out to be repaired because it wants to fall down. Mm-hmm. So almost if the wall has got a, a tongue and a mind of its own where it's trying to express to people, look, I'm a miskeen wall, can somebody please you know, at least put some cement or repair me because otherwise I'm just going to go into ruin. And then what happens is, is فَأَقَامَهَا <clears throat> And then it's Khidr that starts to go to work. It starts building this wall up. Mm-hmm. And, and the Prophet Musa, as we know, he had issues with um, patience. Apart from the issue of the thing about I'm being most knowledgeable, mm-hmm. which was a kind of secondary, you know, late thing that comes up. But he had an issue of patience. Impatient. And also anger. You can imagine anger towards the people. They've, he's asked them to provide provisions. They've refused. And so if they refuse, good riddance to them, we'll move on somewhere else. 
they find a, a wall and the Prophet Khidr rolls up his sleeves and all of a sudden he's building up this wall. And he says to the Prophet Khidr, and Musa says, if only or if you'd wished, because he's doing it for free, no one's asked him, no one said to Khidr, um, okay, if you do that, I'll give you some food. He just gets on with it, rolls his sleeves up, does it. And he just stops. In other words, he doesn't go and say, look, I've done this, can you give us food now? Like, I've washed the dishes, or, you know, imagine a gardener came to your house and, and asked if you could do some gardening. He said no. And it was good of his heart. He cleans, you know, sweeps up outside your gate or something. And then he's sitting there and you see he's very poor or hungry. You go and give him something. You know, so here, the Prophet Khidr doesn't even attempt that. And the Prophet Musa calls him out and says, you, sh- you, sh- you basically should have taken an ajr, a wage, for what you did. And so that is that point where قَالَ هَذَا فِرَاقُ بَيْنِ وَبَيْنَكَ This is a parting of ways. Firaq is like, Firaq is what happened to the, the Red Sea. Firaq. Is like the you know the parting of the seas when the, when the children of Israel were, were were saved. It is also the point at where the two oceans will now separate. You know the the two oceans where the Majmal Bahrain is the Prophet Musa and the Prophet Khidr. They're essentially one is an ocean of external knowledge of Scripture, and the other is an an ocean far greater of Scripture and its intent and its wisdom and ilm ladunni, knowledge of God, just like a fountain. Um, gushing out and so that is the point at which he says this is the point at which we um, part and what's interesting about the third story again is um, the life of the Prophet Musa there's obvious situation where he when he's fleeing after having killed or caused the death of um, one of the the, the people of Fir'aun he flees and he finds um, he's, he's sitting under a tree and he sees two Young women going to um, to a well to take out water and it's difficult, and he sees that it's difficult. And what he does is he 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 helps them draw water. Hmm. Now, when he drew the water, usually people that do things they ask for some kind of recompense or some help. He's destitute, he's hungry, he's all these things in need, and he does something for free. He serves the the two two women two young women and what they do is they go back home and they tell their father that that this man was there and, and we were unable to draw the water and he helped us draw the water now what happened is he was given he asked for nothing and in fact it's it's the father of the two young girls that decides to give him something he in fact decides to give his one of his daughter's hands in, mar- in ma- hand in marriage to the prophet Musa on the on the condition that he serves um, him for a number of years, and so what's interesting is each of these things, three these stories are, are very clear, strong episodes in the Prophet Musa's life, where somebody could object to him. Because mm. remember, the Prophet Musa has many things happening in his life. Okay, but mm. if you think, if you were to think, what are the points in the Prophet Musa's life where you could have objected to what he did? Those are the places you would have probably have thought. Or episodes in his life where you could, you could raise objections to what's happening. Hmm. And so why is he now turning the table and objecting to things that God has told him you have to have patience in adhering to the companionship of this prophet? 
So essentially, it's a learning path. Suhbah is about learning. Mm. Essentially, at a deeper level, it's about being quiet. It's about observing. It's about having patience on the on the long term wisdom of the person that you're keeping companionship of. Um, and, and so, you know, this this brings up a big problem in the spiritual path generally, which is, you know, if ghafla is such a big issue of spirituality that needs to be cured. And the only probable way of curing it is by companionship of somebody. In fact, um, Sheikh Ali, 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 Ali al-Haddad, he mentions you know, the, the prayer in the Prophet as being a cure for ghafla as well. You know, doing the durud sharif and the salawat on the Prophet Ali salatu wasalam. But generally it's suhbah. Suhbah is always coupled with almost submission to the person that you're being in, in the company of. You know, which is uh, problematic because of the fact that the person that you're submitting to has to be of the of the nature where they deserve to be submitted to, which is essentially a prophet. Mm-hmm. You know, human beings um, have frailties as all as is the case by their nature, and therefore it it kind of raises all these issues. But in this situation, the 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 the, the context is very very clear where the the the, the problem will be that this is a firaq. This is the parting of ways between you and myself. In other words, there will be no negotiation. And the Prophet Musa doesn't negotiate anything. And all we hear is, okay, I'll just tell you what's, what just happened. Sheikh, before we go on to that, mm-hmm. what, what crossed my mind just now is that, so the, the, the important things in Prophet Musa's life, Kalimi is another event. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tur is an event. Yeah, Many events, yes. Yeah, part of the ways, and that, that's what defines Prophet Musa Islam. That no, no one else did other than him. The the the, the act of kalimi, the, the act of talking, and actually witnessing Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, mm-hmm. and going to tour, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from that lofty um, station mm-hmm. to this, where he's almost on back foot all the time, mm-hmm. in the hands of Someone we don't know. Mm-hmm. This contrast. <laughs> what? What about the contrast? It's a huge contrast. It's a huge. Co- is a, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of this um, discussion that he is from the Ulil Azm, the great, pivotal, cardinal prophets of God, um, given a station in in the heavens and. And all of the narratives of the Quran about justice and and um, you know you know kind of oppress, oppressive rulers, he's p- pitched against the most oppressive, which is Fir'aun. Mm. And so the honor that's there is undeniable. He's the one that leads out Bani Israel, who are a tribe honored by God. Um, he's spoken to by God. Musa that God said that he spoke to the Prophet Musa in the most pure of speech, which is essentially scholars relate to it being um, the pre-eternal quality of an attribute being able to be understood by a, pro- a human, which is un- unexplainable for us. Um, the Prophet is Asai Musa. Yeah, so there's other like there's miracles. There's yeah the miracles of the hand and the and the and the and the kind of staff and those are understood. And the plagues that come as he foretold them to come. Um, there's all these things, but what the contrast that appears is, 
I don't think there's a contrast if you if you just think that there's a there's a quantum leap here between where the Prophet Musa is and and the next level of source knowledge which is beyond um a comparison with, with ourselves. So if you're saying there's such a contrast, it's not contrast because we have no access to that ilm ladunni anyway. So, you know, when everything comes back to normal cause and effect, he is still exactly where he is, which is the prophet spoken to by God, who, um, and who God gave the, the power to part the, the, the Red Sea. He's the one that, you know, you know came into the presence of Allah in, in, the, in, in, in the Mount of Tur. He, you know, he's the one that went up the Sinai. He is all of these great, great things. He's still that. But this is just this quantum leap where we're all told, and we're to be honest, we're we're in the company of the Prophet Musa in the humbling process. Hmm. You know, clearly, you know, min bab awla, this is like self-evident that we're all in this humbling process. The Prophet Musa just happens to be the 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 person and the character who is being woven into the story because it's say it's basically telling us that if you think there's a contrast here. Then you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, kind of thing. Because if if the Prophet Musa has got problems understanding the wisdom behind things, then you better know that without revelation, you have no idea. Hmm. At least he has revelation. At least he's given knowledge of the book, which is nurun wa rahma, which Allah describes as being a, a light and a, and a mercy. Now that is not humbling for him; it's humbling for us. Hmm. Essentially, he shouldn't know that. I mean. He has an excuse to If somebody kills a child You have a right to object At the very least Even if you're told it's In the context of a biblical story Or a narrative of prophets For a teaching purpose If somebody you know ends up Rupturing a, a ship You have a perfect right And in fact if you don't you have, You're culpable Like imagine you know, in terms of safeguarding You know would you just remain silent? You would just say, "Look, this is. I think this is going a bit beyond what we agreed upon. You know, causing the death of people by rupturing a ship is beyond what we agreed upon." But the the last one is like a light one. It's just you, you could have taken a bit of money for. You could have got some food. Mm. <laughs> you know, in the in the realm of how serious the previous ones are, this is like you know, you you could have asked for a bit of bread. But that is the thing that you know. That's what they call the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and that's essentially what happens here. قَالَ هَذَا فِرَاقُ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَكَ سَأُنَبِّئُكَ بِتَأْوِيلِ مَا لَمْ تَسْتَطِعْ عَلَيْهِ صَبْرًا And at this point, I will give you an indication. Unabbi is like this, a news a newsreel. I'll give you the news news um, version of what has just happened, you know, the, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And the explanation of the things that you are unable to bear with patience. So then what will happen is each of those... Will each of the stories will basically be the uncovering of what took place when you weren't watching, or what took place before and after what's happening, or what will happen. So all these kind of things are scenarios are, you know, you know, with the ship, it will be that the ship belongs to a group of people, and there's something in the future that will happen that will mean I need to stop its course. So, for, how do you know what's happening in the future? Just concluding this section um, or, or th- this part of our conversation, uh, just shortly we'll be going for an ad break. <coughs> so Sheikh, this uh, 
lesson for me here is from this story that there are things that we would never understand mm-hmm. and things that we try to understand but we should be content with that events that happen they have a reason mm-hmm. and there's always a bigger kind of this is the tip of the iceberg that we see mm-hmm. what's beyond is we can't always see but we have to have iman that there is a bigger wisdom behind it uh, prophet musa alayhi salam his eventful life as we discussed uh, so many facets to it so many branches uh, such a rich story and what was coming to my mind sheikh was that uh, through the prophets allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <coughs> is giving us the knowledge of personality types as well mm-hmm. that there are so many different varied personalities that he creates within the prophets the, his mm. muqarribin uh, and yet they are the guides they are the mm. the beacons for humanity and they are the reformers at any per, uh, at a certain point and yet they're so different one mm. is kalim and one is uh, muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam you know uh, the, mm. something to to think about yeah i mean that's an interesting point actually um the prophets are very much in terms of personality are very um different to the point that the prophet ali sallallahu alaihi wasallam you know um used to compare people with prophets so he would com- compare specific individuals and say this person is is like the, the like your companion the prophet isa ali sallallahu alaihi or this person is like that and i'm the most like your your companion ibrahim ali sallallahu alaihi wasallam so in terms of temperament you see a very different um take you have the prophet ayub with immense almost to a fault patience um you have the prophet isa to a fault being spiritual and and um almost light like mm-hmm. to the point that people the reason why people um and the people he was sent to were were so confused about him was that he was so otherworldly mm-hmm. so aesthetically uh, otherworldly that he was almost like angelic in his form and the prophet yusuf was noble and handsome and regal in 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 a sense towards mm. the end of his life the prophet ibrahim was like this father figure of wisdom but also underlying that was this rebellious um you know kind of mind which uh, which tore apart the the worship of idols and, and during his young life so all the prophets have very very special qualities what the prophet asim has is all of those in balance so the reason why the prophet asim was able to do what he did and was the final prophet is that he took all of those things and so people who were who were um, drawn towards generosity saw in him the qualities of a king who is generous and the people that were drawn to the qualities of the prophet isa as being spiritual would see in him the spiritual aspects and and almost ignore everything else the people that saw in him the aspects of regal beauty and handsomeness so that and everything else was insignificant the people that saw in him the the intellect and the judicious nature of the wise uh, sulaiman saw in him exactly that and they were drawn to that so every single person is like you know i know i know in persian poetry and turkish poetry that was metaphor of the moths drawn to the candle to their own destruction hmm. what is it called parvane or what parvana parvana 
So I, I, in, in Turkey, it's a, it's a theme in, in poetry where they talk about the companions radiating towards the Prophet ﷺ because of his the light that attracted all of them despite their differences. Yeah, yeah, same in Urdu. Same. Is it? Yeah, it's the exact same uh, theme that carries in Iqbal's poetry and mm. uh, many others. So they, they uh, despite themselves, they cannot help but come towards this light source. The interesting about light source is that it faces all different directions, north, south, east, west. It doesn't differentiate between where you come from, who you are. Everything, everybody's welcome. But the interesting is, to be pu- totally welcomed, you have to die. You have to reach what you. I mean, Akbar will probably talk about this. Is the fana? You have to go into the state of, of submitting to the will of the the Prophet Ali Salatu was some in. Parvana to se karta hai aishama pyar kyun ye jaane beqarar hai tujh par nisar kyun? Yes. So why does the moth love you, oh candle, so dearly? Ye jaan beqarar hai tujh par nisar kyun? Yes, so this, this is, life this is, is non-worthy of, 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 of living. Karta hai ya tawaf teri jalwa gah ka Phoonka hua hai kya teri barke nigah ka Yeah, so Iqbal, Parvana Parvana, yeah, so this is So why am I talking about this? Yeah, you, you mentioned this thing of um, The prophets having different mizaj, different dispositions The Prophet brought together In the same way that his, his speech brought together speech He was given the the the, the the quality of Jawami al-Kalim, which is to encapsulate meaning concentrated in a few words. His being was able to encapsulate different temperaments of prophets while not overpowering any one aspect of that. Hmm. So if the person wanted the regal warrior, um, the, the handsome one, the the courageous, the generous, the pious, the, the God-fearing, you know, the otherworldly, they would find all of those aspects mm-hmm. in the Prophet. The person that dressed well, they would find him dressed well. The person that looked at, looked at worldly trappings, they would see, you know, during the Battle of Hunayn, the reason why a lot of the Quraysh who weren't Muslims became Muslim because they just saw the Prophet having so much wealth that they'd never imagined that somebody could have so much wealth. And then he just gave it away. Mm. And so that just pulled people that were just interested in money. So like billionaires would just fall over themselves to be close to the Prophet hmm. So everybody would be attracted to him. And, and essentially that is the interesting about this, the story of the Prophet Musa is that he's one of those characters that comes out very clearly that he is, um, he has these traits as a human being because prophets are, as we know, humans. He has a trait or a couple of traits which, which um, allow God to use him as a character. So you wouldn't, I wouldn't put it as disciplining him or he's able to be the center, central character to, you know, like, you know, in, in, you know, they talk about film directors talk, talk about they want to get the right person for the part. So there'll be an effective movie and it will be, it will have an impact and it will, it will draw a lesson and people remember it. Essentially what, what Allah does is in life and in, in the story of the prophets, he makes them so memorable that the story becomes universal and mm. and transcends just um, the life of the Prophet Musa. Because mm. essentially, we're reading it, we're we're discussing it because it's such a um, important topic. The idea of which we were talking about before the break is in life. There's things that are just beyond our understanding, but they're being planned by a planner. Who is wise in what he does? Mm-hmm. Essentially, 
um, that we should never lose sight of that headline, even though we will argue with the, the, the details of the, the article itself. Like we will have difficulty in dealing with all of those episodes, like a, a mother losing her child or a person dying of an illness or, or being affected by cancer or or um, being in intense poverty or, or suffering from a mental illness. These are all things that you have the absolute right to question God and ask God, but with a desire to come close to Him mm. and a- ask God to allow you to understand and to come to terms or at least to bring closure to it. But not from the perspective of what I said yesterday or the day before, which is that we are expendable, you know, access to necessity in the grand scheme of the world itself. But at the same time, that you mention God, God mentions you, shows that you're not just nothing. Mm. You're actually so important that God has specifically created everything and sent every prophet and sent the story of Khidr and, and Musa for you specifically because you're the person reading it. Yeah. And that's why the Quran is so interesting is that the Quran really does not make any sense unless somebody's reading it. Mm. So it's something I've, I've thought about a lot. The Quran is a recital. Now, if there's no, nobody listening to the recital and making sense of it and applying it or taking wisdom from it, it no longer is a Quran. It, it needs to be understood, right? It needs to Approached. be recited or um, projected to somebody to listen to it. So the Quran is something that's collected. One of the meanings of Quran is something that's collected. It's an ism fa'il, which means to to collect things that are similar. It collects our emotions. It collects our um, experiences and makes sense of them. It's a mirror in a sense, and that's why you know a study of the Quran, a deep study of the Quran, is you know essential. A deep engagement with the Quran, a reflective, reflective engagement with the Quran is so, such an important thing for us. So, Sheikh, uh, final moments of reflection. I just wanted to touch upon this important story of Badr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prophet's life uh, has started in Medina, mm-hmm. and today, 17th <coughs> uh, of Ramadan, has this significance. And just wanted to not forget the important event uh, that happened on this day of Ramadan. Yes, yeah, so Allah says, وَذَكِّرْهُمْ بِأَيَّامِ اللَّهِ Remind people of the days of God. The days of God are times in our, in, our, in our history which are important because they remind us of great events that took place. Badr is Badr al-Kubra. It's, it's, it's called Badr al-Kubra. Not, some people say it's because there was another one which was smaller, but this is essentially the big event which leads to the death of Abu Jahl, Walid ibn Mughira, Utbah ibn Rabi'ah. These are the Fir'aun of our community. Who died, you know, right at the beginning of this move, and then after that, the Quraysh are left with nothing. Everybody in the Quraysh is an enemy of the Prophet and will essentially become Muslim. Hmm. And so that that is like the great victory that changes everything. But also it brings with it, you know, this idea of um, you know God's justice and divine balancing. You know, the Prophet goes away from the victory to his household where his daughter Ruqayya has passed away. You know, so this this idea that God is telling us, and, and one of my teachers, Sheikh Saeed Ramadan Bouti, he said that one of the wisdoms of God in creating difficulties is to show people that you're not in charge. Hmm. That essentially God is in charge. And the Prophet is coming from that amazing victory where, Ma ramayta id ramayta rama, that you didn't, did not fling when you, when you flung the, the sand, but God is the one that flung the sand. From that 
the elevated station to being somebody who's unable to stop the death of his, of his child and having to bury her is, you know, shows the nature of life, which is, you know, we talk, talk the story of the Khidr and Musa. Mm-hmm. You can't understand why this is all happening. And obviously after Badr, one of the other things that happen is the Munafiqun, all of a sudden, the whole category of Munafiqun arrive, whereas before Badr there was no such thing as Munafiq. You know, before Badr, everybody could do what they wanted. Once Badr happened, the people in Medina who were um, not Muslim, they became Muslim, but as hypocrites. Mm. And so then Badr led to this other massive negative effect, which is the whole of Prophet's life. Until he passed away, there was a sizable contingent of hypocrites that would undermine every single step that he took. So with the victory came you know a fallout which actually you would say you know people would say well, was it was it worth it then if the battle of khandaq the battle of uhud you know the all the expeditions bani, Must- uh, bani mustalik expedition uh, khaybar you've got all these expeditions where the munafiqun are just uh, you know stabbing people in the back Sheikh, mm. just okay. So we we are commemorating this important day, seventeenth mm. of Ramadan, mm. Badr. Mm. So there is this contrast. There is Shumail, mm. and then there is Sira books that are obsessed with just wars, mm-hmm. Badr, Khandaq, mm-hmm. um, and it goes on. No, no. See, Sira books are not not um, not. They're not that. So Sira books are an issue called. Uh, Maghazi Maghazi is from Ghazwa Which is about battles And so the Arabs used to Take a note of Events that took place They were usually related to wars So the way they would They would date Years would be Based on wars So it's not because Scholars um, Wanted to write about wars It's the way that they, they, They had chronology If that makes sense So this battle So Badr took place in Uhud then Khandaq, then Bani Mustaliq, and then Khaybar, and then uh, Battle Mu'ta, and then, you know, all this. So this tell not because they're important, they are important, but they're also important for a chronological issue of timekeeping. So a 10-year-old and a 20-year-old mm-hmm. listening, uh-huh. why is it important for me to know why Badr happened? What is Badr? Badr is essentially that story of um, the, the weak and oppressed having their just just reward for their patience that if you're true in what you're doing but the, the stacks are against you if you're true to what you're doing in the end Allah will make you victorious and that happened in Battle of Badr if it's the same in your life then it's exactly the same sunnah of God the same way that God deals with people so opposition outnumbers you yeah circumstances yeah it doesn't have to be people it could be yeah this is you just thinking this I can't do this essay I can't feed my family, I can't, you know, continue with this course of, of action or job or whatever it is. I can't continue with this relationship. But there's reasons why you should do all those things. Then Allah is essentially saying to, to in in a commensurate rate to your in, in, in sincerity and intention, you will essentially gain something which is God-given to you, which will be a victory. But the victory essentially will come, you know, like the rose, it comes with thorns. So don't think after this you get your essay in and you get A that that's you over the hill. No, you're going you're going down a trough and you're going back up a, a steep incline which will lead you to a mountain which maybe you can't pass. It's mm. life. Mm. 
Like the whole point is, you know, Saeed Ramadan Bolti, again, the other thing he mentioned about tribulations is that he mentioned three things, I've forgotten the, th- the third, is that you don't attach yourself to the world because it's fleeting. Allah sends tribulations to, to people so that the spiritually attuned people that are, that are there for the sake of God will not think this is a place I need to really build my eternal abode. Like the Prophet Isa said, a dunya is like a, a bridge. فَعْبُرُوهَا وَلَا تَبْنُوا عَلَيْهَا You know, a, a bridge, you go over it, you don't, you don't stop in the middle of it and, and build something. You don't go over the Kingston Bridge and then halfway through you kind of open up your corner shop. Mm. You know, is this somewhere to get from A to B? And the dunya is that. And if you didn't have afflictions and tests, you would want to stay here forever. So th- this other concept of divine intervention, like Iqbal says, فِزَاءِ بَدْرُ پَيَدَا کَرْ فَرِشْتَيْ تِرِي نُسْرَتْ کُو اُتَرْ سَكْتَيْ ہَيْ کَرْدُوں سَيْ قَتَارَ اندَرْ قَتَارَ بھی So, the, 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 you know, you will see the angels mm-hmm. if you had the فِزَاءِ بَدْرُ If you had that leap of faith. Yeah, he says the angels are, 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 are waiting for you if only you make that leap of faith, faith essentially, even today. And that's essentially what I, mean, I was saying is that those elements of divine um, protection and divine aid are there. You have to make the leap. And that's the thing. God does not decree and, dic- and dictate what you do. You decide on your actions and God helps you. Hmm. If, if you want a bad action, God will say, okay, I'll help you in that. Like if you want to sin, I, God will say, okay, I'll make it easier for you. If you do more, I'll make it even easier for you. But you're essentially digging your grave. And God is saying, if you choose good, I will open up the pathways to goodness for you. So it's not as if God has said, this is your, you, I'm going to force you into this good action or force you into this bad action. And what he's saying is essentially, that leap of faith will mean that you have even more aid. That if you take those steps to goodness, then Allah will give you, as he gave the prophets before you, angelic help. Mm. Mm. And that's it. That is it indeed. Story of Musa and story of uh, Badr uh, and reflections on these two stories for people who are listening, for you and I. Uh, what do we take home with these two stories? Inshallah, we'll be back tomorrow, 8 o'clock, uh, with Sheikh Radwan um, on Ridi Ramadan with reflections. Up until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullah wa Thank you for listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Make sure to visit our Radio Ramadan website at rr365.co.uk to access all of our podcasts. Stay tuned on our social channels for future content.